Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome to Monergy Life. <clears throat> this is your host, Robert Fisher, and I have the great pleasure of welcoming my good friend and spiritual mentor, <clears throat> John Gallo, for the second part in a three-part episode. And who knows, we might even do more episodes if the demand is there. Um, tonight's episode is going to focus on deconstructing your belief system. Now, let's face it, that's quite a lofty goal for any of us to undertake, but it's a worthwhile goal, and it's a process. It's like anything. I think that anyone attempting to change their life has first got to go within and examine the belief systems that are driving your life, because that's really your operating system. That's your windows, so to speak, for the way your life is going to unfold. And until you change your belief system, your external reality is not going to change. So tonight, we're going to focus on some techniques to help you understand, examine, and hopefully change your belief system for the better to to develop the kind of life that you're really looking for. And let me bring John on to the air. Is that Mr. Gallo? Yes, it is, Robert. Good uh, good evening. Welcome to Monergy Life, my friend. Thank you for having me on, Robert. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have you on. I was just telling our, our listeners uh, that this is the second part in a three-part. Perhaps we're going to be extending the series beyond three parts. Let me also first say, before we get into our conversation tonight, John, that we welcome any and all of our listeners to post any questions that you may have in the chat room, which I'm now opening up. And John and I will do our best to answer any of those questions. So I'm launching the chat right now. And please feel free to, um, to ask us anything as the conversation goes on. John, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Robert, like always, uh, wonderful. Uh, just trying to pile up as many experiences as possible because those are the only thing that I will take with me when I leave this body. And by that comment, I'm going to infer that you value life experience pretty much above everything. Oh, yes, because that's why we take the body. There's no other reason to come here and leave our the realm of oneness, the realm that there is no time, that there is no space, that there is no uh, limitations to come and take up a vehicle that is has limits. That's a very interesting perspective and one that I totally agree with as well. Um, Before we get into the topic tonight, which is in no way a constriction on what we can talk about, the topic, as you know, John, is deconstructing your belief systems. Um, I want to ask you, in the week since we last spoke on the air, what are some of the things that have happened to you that have really affected your consciousness, that have changed the way you view things? Is there anything that comes to mind? Well, I had, um, I, I, I continually work on myself, continually work on how to uh, get in better touch with or communicate better with my spiritual self and the other beings of the spiritual realm to have a bridge. So I was uh, taking this class, and one of the things that I had was a uh, reading. I had to do a live spiritual reading of somebody else, and and that's a very interesting thing. And, and, And what I came to understand is that I have been doing that without basically knowing what I was doing, but that's why some guidance and some classes are important in everything in life. You need to have somebody that can bring you through the process, you know. So uh, that's one thing, and that's why this topic of deconstructing your belief system is very important. 
Because unless you know that you believe there is something different, how can you change it? That's a very valid point. And unless you realize that your belief system controls your reality uh, and is going to completely affect the external reality um, in your life, uh, that if you're not satisfied with any part of that reality, it really pays to go within and examine your underlying belief system to see if there's a link between that belief system and what you feel you may not want in your life, or perhaps you want something completely different. But it's all about the driving force, the engine, your belief system. Right, and I think that the the core, the foundation of that is our... The foundation of belief system is our sense of identity. What do you believe that you are? If you believe that you are a human being, uh, then you're going to be under the operating system of human and the material world. On the other hand, if you believe that you are a spiritual being having a human experience, then all of a sudden that spiritual realm of possibilities opens up. Well, if one were to adopt the second choice that you've just outlined, how would that affect one's belief system uh, in that case? If you took the position that you're a spiritual being having a human experience rather than just a human being, tell our listeners how you think that would alter one's belief system. Well, then there is no, uh, there is nothing finite. Uh, there is no dying. There is uh, a uh, an experience in this dimension, the third dimension, with the body, and everything else is accessible because you have just opened the door to the possibilities of your true essence, which is the spiritual uh, reality which uh, you can bring it into uh, the scientific uh, uh, context of the subatomic realm, quantum <clears throat> physics and quantum, rea- uh, uh, quantum mechanics, which is where the universe, they know it's one field of potentiality and prob- a possibility. And so by allowing yourself to know your true essence and to accept that, you have just opened the door of possibilities of everything that lies veiled by the mechanics and the limitations of the vehicle called the body. And that's where it really gets interesting, I believe, because if you adopt the second choice, as you just mentioned, one is still in the body, but one has an awareness of a connection to a much larger entity, the spiritual entity, the oneness, if you will. And when when you start to develop that feeling, that connectivity, that understanding of oneness, it really changes not only your belief system, but the whole way you interact with the world while you're still in the body. Correct. Correct, because under the belief system of a human being, uh, because of the limitations, you know, we can only hear certain frequencies, see certain frequencies, uh, the touch, the smell, it's all very limited. But in our spiritual essence, we have the connectivity uh, of everything that exists. Now, let's explore the notion of uh, connectivity, because for most of our listeners and for most of the American public, or even around the world, whoever is listening, uh, since the great thing about this show is it's not limited to the United States, but for most of us growing up and for most cultures that people will find themselves in, people are not taught growing up that there is a connection between all of us. In fact, 
pretty much the opposite is the standard operating procedure for most people, the standard conditioning that you're yourself, you have your ego, you have your needs, and they're separate and apart from everybody else. What do you say to people who confront you on this basis and say, okay, you know, this sounds great that there's a connectivity between all human beings on a spiritual basis, but I still have to take care of myself. I still have to provide for my family, and I still have to get ahead. How would you respond to that type of an argument? Well, that's a uh, human uh, limited way of looking at things, and that's a sense of separation. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you were to uh, uh, be in your spiritual body uh, instead of your human body, there wouldn't be any need for needing anything. You wouldn't need to do anything to your children, which are spiritual beings as well, uh, or your family. There's no need to take care of anything because everything is there. The only thing that you need to do is to think it and it manifests. Basically, that's how it works in the higher dimensions, okay? It is only here in the, uh, in the, the body of limitations that we think that we need to do anything. We don't think about, uh, we don't have to think about our breathing, the body functions. They're automatically functioning because imagine how much time, how much effort, how much concentration uh, it would have to take for us to do all of the autopilot that are to run the, the uh, complexity of the human body. We wouldn't have time to do anything else. So in essence, you know, the web, everything is working perfectly without any input from us individually. So the thing about having to do something in the, the human, yes, we do have responsibilities. But if you shift that responsibility from the individual to the whole, a whole different energy and a whole different reality comes to play. Well, let's explore that for a few moments because that ties back into the topic of tonight's conversation, which is deconstructing belief systems. Are there anything specifically that come to mind uh, as, as steps that people can take to get rid of a belief system that they don't like? Let's say the average person listening to this show, um, they're not happy with the, the way their life is unfolding, but they're not really sure how to deconstruct the belief system that they've been born with because not only is it and everything that they've ever known, but it is constantly being reinforced by their daily life experiences. So how can we help these people to deconstruct something that's not working for them? Well, the, I think that the most important uh, factor in uh, changing your uh, outer world is to change the inner. And what I mean by that is what kind of thoughts and inner conversations are you having during the, the course of the, the day? Are you worrying? Worrying to me, in my personal uh, uh, perspective, is thinking about everything that I don't want. Yes, I mean, there is a lot of life situations that arise in my reality that I really don't like and I don't want to experience. But that doesn't mean that I worry about them. In other words, something happens to me that I really don't like or I don't want. Okay, immediately I accept it because it is. It happened. But then I remove my focus and my awareness from that and put it on something that I really do want. So becoming the, the watcher of your inner thinking, becoming the watcher of your inner conversations, those conversations that you have within your imagination or your um, uh, mind's eye with other people without the person being present 
those are the kinds of things that I'm saying about watching your conversations and making sure that nothing stays or goes through your mind that you don't want. And if something appears, because it takes a while to master this kind of awareness uh, to be able to look at your thinking individually, uh, and if something appears that you're going into a thread, a thinking thread, stop it and say, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. This is not what I want in my reality. Because, like I think that I mentioned in the the first uh, uh, talk was, man's thinking is the steering wheel for the creator's energy. It's like uh, a projector. Whatever you think in your mind, that energy is coming, and that is what you're going to see in your reality. What if I was, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Because I have to say, it sounds great what you're saying, but for some of our listeners, they may not have reached the point where they can really just watch their thoughts and they're more impacted by those thoughts. So is there any way that we can help our list, the listeners of this show to become watchers of their thoughts, watching the conversation? and to remove their focus on something that comes up that they don't want. Are there any specific tools that you can think of to help people reach that goal? Well, uh, you know, one very uh, important tool is what makes you uh, joyful. It could be an animal, your pet, your child, your child, whatever it is. If something arises in your uh, in your reality that doesn't that immediately switch, take away your focus from that, and put it on something happy. I guarantee that something that brings you joy. I guarantee if you do that, that tense and that sense of uh, of dread will leave you, and the joy and the sense of a smile will come to your face. It almost uh, sounds, when you say that, it reminds me of something that I saw in either a movie or on some television show where some character was saying when something, somebody made a comment to somebody and the person to whom the comment was made said something like, you know, that takes me out of my happy place. <laughs> you know, I think it's sort of yeah. what you're saying. Uh, an event yes. can happen or people can make a remark and you could take it very personally, take it all the way in, and it takes you away from the joy, basically. Exactly. So here it's the opposite. Uh, let me bring myself back to the happy place. Is taking yourself from the place that you don't want and putting yourself to the place that you do. Right. And I think it's at this point it would be interesting to point out uh, from well, this is from my own experience and from some of the talks that you and I have had, John. That you know, when we come to Earth, it's to experience the vast um, divergence in emotions and to experience the polarities that exist here. So it shouldn't surprise any of us or the listeners to this program that things are going to come to us from so-called left field, that things are going to knock us down temporarily. Because on a certain level, isn't that why we took the body and came to Earth? It's to experience sure. these things. Exactly. So there really isn't any ex- bad experience. Well, let me put it this way. I have come to the t- uh, point in my, in my reality that I don't label a good experience or a bad experience. To me, it's all an experience because I am going to, I master what it is that I'm going to label because if I label it, it's going to be bad. That's the experience that I just had. But if I just allow the experience to be, then it's not good and it's not bad. It's just a pure experience. And if I don't like the experience, then I have to look and see what is the lesson in this experience because at the, you know, we all create 
our own reality. So why is, did I create this reality? What is the lesson for me here to learn about this experience? So if there's something that I don't like that makes me unease, I that to me is a red flag to look at why it is that I created it, what is the lesson so that I don't need to recreate it again, and basically that is how I handle the things that I really don't, you know, the experience that I really don't want to have. So it is possible to not keep repeating bad experiences, as so many of us do habitually. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the way to not repeat it is to look for the lesson in that uncomfortable experience. And to integrate into that experience, integrate it within your being so that you don't have to repeat it and know that it's only an experience. It really has no power over you. It's transient. Everything of this third-dimensional reality is transient. It has no permanence. And yet so much of the conditioning that we receive uh, growing up is to latch on to something as a measure of security to give us that permanence. Isn't that ironic, John? Yes, well, uh, look, at it's like when we're born, we're given a name, and that becomes our basket of possessions and stories. My this, me that, I that, me this, you know, and it becomes to the point where those, that basket of possessions and stories becomes so heavy that life becomes a burden. And so what is the best way to avoid putting another story in your basket? What's the best way that we can what's what's some tips that we can give the listeners here to avoid live in this moment infinite moment of now. That bears repeating. Live in the infinite moment of now. Well, I, you know, I must say that I totally agree with you, but getting to the point where you're not not concerned with the past and not worried about the future is definitely a process and takes some work. And even if you get to that point, there will be people around you who will want to drag you back into the past. Very often people that are well, close to you, and then that becomes well, an, a different type of challenge. Well, uh, that is true because even if you start this path of awakening to uh, your true essence of a, a infinite spiritual being, uh, you are still having a third dimensional experience in the body. So as long as you are in the body, the propensity to be dragged back into the third dimensional thinking and uh, way of operating is there. It's always there. But you have within yourself, every single person does, the free will and choices. You can choose to live in this reality but out of your spiritual senses or you can choose to stay in the third-dimensional human reality. And again, we start by accepting that there is that other reality, because without, if you don't accept that there is a spiritual uh, um, subatomic reality out there that is the underlying uh, basis of all of creation then if you don't accept that, it will never come to pass. You will never experience it. So the first is the acceptance of the, another dimension, another way of living, and then working towards uh, developing your spiritual senses, which we all have. And it's, it's something that we 
every single human has that. Well, what if um, somebody listening to the program now would say to you, you know, I grew up in a very religious background. Uh, I went to church every week, and I was a very good Catholic, just to use one example. But I don't really know what you mean by accepting the spiritual dimension uh, as a springboard towards this other way of looking at things. John, what would you say to that? How would you, how would you point people towards an acceptance of a spiritual as opposed to a religious dimension? Well, uh, to me, and by the way, I was born, you know, a Catholic, so I really do understand this. Um, to me, the difference between spirituality and religion is spirituality is a window and uh, that is open. The possibilities are infinite. And religion is nothing more than a set belief system that a group of people have agreed that that is the way God is or the perception of God, okay? It's very close-ended, if you will. One is open to one, oneness, all-inclusive. Spirituality is all-inclusive. And religion is uh, a set of uh, beliefs that are agreed upon by a group of people. So it is closed end, if you will. Well, what if that set of belief systems, the religious ones, gives comfort to some of our listeners? And that is perfect. Ask- now, that that whatever you believe is perfect. Anybody believes. I'm not here to try to change anybody. Oh, I, understand I don't that. care to change anybody, mm-hmm. but it's just that my reality is a reality of complete joy and peace. Uh, you, you know, it's very interesting that you have been able to find that through spirituality, and so many people seem to be under the control of various religions in the world. And when you look around today at the external reality that's been created in some parts of this world, based upon religious differences and hatred, uh, it's easy to see where religion is as limited as you say, and where it's an exclusionary set of beliefs that's only for some people, but not for those that don't agree with you. Exactly. With uh, religion, you have to leave your individuality at the door and accept the belief system of that religion. Whereas spirituality is all-inclusive. It includes every, the whole universe. Because like I said before last week, my concept of what what you would call God, I rather I like to call it the Creator because it doesn't have the uh, uh, the connotations of bu- uh, religious belief systems. Uh, there is nothing, no thing that can exist outside of the mind and being of the Creator. So, in essence, everything is the Creator expressing itself through the multiplicity of what creation is. Right. You know, when I think of spirituality myself, uh, what comes to mind is a soul connection, a connection to one's essence or soul, and also the notion of owning your own life rather than being judged or judging other people. And, you know, for me, these are some important elements and key thoughts that come to mind when I think of spirituality. And in addition, uh, talking about belief systems, it also, when I think of spirituality, I think of a belief system that is not based on fear. That's based more on love. And I mentioned the word love for the first time in our conversation today only to point out that the concept of love, the consciousness of love, is something that, you know, we might want to talk about a little in today's conversation. 
as something that people might want to also move towards as opposed to their existing belief systems. And for almost everyone listening tonight and anyone who will listen to this episode in its archive form, the way most of us are brought up in the world, and it almost doesn't matter where or when, but almost everybody has a designated hate group. Don't you agree, John? No matter where you're brought up, there's always a group of people that are that are in a category of either beneath you or in a category of official hate. And when I think well, of spirituality, it, 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 true spirituality, it definitely moves towards a loving consciousness. And this is something we just want may want to introduce today as opposed to dwelling on it. But I think that's a very important element in a new belief system in helping our listeners understand where we're going with this. Yeah, well, uh, the let me just... Uh, 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 what came to mind was a uh, Sufi teaching, which is uh, Sufis are the uh, mystics of Islam. And they have a saying that the the... the what the individual has to strive for is to obtain the glance of God. In other words, how would God look at the creation? And what that means to me is uh, it's good and unconditional love without any labels or without any judgments. And what has it took me a while to be able to get to that point of looking past the physical body, looking past the physical uh, persona, looking past the dress, looking past past everything, and then look for that spiritual essence that is be within and behind that body and then accept it as one oneness to me. And only there can you love your brother as yourself. But you cannot do that from the human perspective. You have to do it from the spiritual perspective. And it's interesting to observe that almost every culture, certainly including our own here in the United States, has these designated groups to hate that are very acceptable. So it's very hard for someone to come to that consciousness of unconditional love when the people all around them are throwing out all these messages of hate. And that includes a lot of so-called very religious people. They're very much filled with hate. Well, it's all about I'm right uh, and you're wrong and uh, that uh, du uh, state of duality that comes from uh, the human experience, the third dimensional reality, where if you take it into the scientific, and I like to go to the scientific because to me quantum physics and quantum mechanic is almost so, uh, so much closer to proving that there is an intelligent, all-encompassing power and intelligence in the universe that everything arises from that, uh, which is self-aware energy, okay? And when you come to that scientific or quantum physics, everything is one. There is no you and I. There is no me and the other person. It does, it, that's only the physical molecular uh, uh, level. But at the somatomic level, there is no two. And that's what's really interesting of how science has been able to come to that point of knowing and understanding of how really the universe really uh, exists. And, of course, that point of view uh, is real. It is quantum physics, and it has a scientific basis to it, but at this point it's not commonly accepted as uh, the modus operandi for most people because most people see division and separation, uh, if not just between themselves and the people that they interact with and between nations, between whole groups of people, between religions. 
So what we're we're really talking about when we talk about deconstructing a belief system is it's a seismic change in the way most people are conditioned. It's a seismic change to suggest that everybody is actually one, even if we can prove it with quantum physics, because almost nobody is brought up to believe that. So uh, it's a tide that I believe is slowly turning, and I think the only way for people to get on board is, A, they have to want to get on board. It's nothing that anyone would want to force upon them at any point. And two, they have to ex- experience various things for themselves, try things out, play around with these ideas we're talking about, and see how their reality changes. And I think that's really the only way that somebody is going to believe that this exists by their own experience. Oh, for sure. Uh, I work with a lot of people, as you know, and I never, I'm not a one to be calling people to try to. Uh, uh, give my or pass along my belief system to anybody. You know, these are the people that I work with. They call me. They they ask me. They they come to me. And and if you look at a lot of the religions, it's the other way around. You know, uh, they're trying to uh, get people to uh, you know uh, impose their belief system on the other person. I don't care to impose my belief system on anybody and I don't care to have any followers uh because that's not my what I that's not my reality I don't need that see I don't need that that's the whole thing my ego doesn't need it I don't need it uh, the only person that I the only power that I want to have is over my thinking and over my reaction to the third dimensional reality that's the only power that you really we have to exercise but that's the only power that I want to practice <clears throat> And so I don't care to have any power over anybody uh, or to have anybody agree with me on my belief system. I, I leave everybody open because everybody I know is a spiritual being having a human experience, and they have the God-given right to choose whatever and however they want to experience this reality. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I think it would be uh, appropriate at this point, since we've mentioned it uh, for the first time about 10 minutes ago, is this concept of um, unconditional love. And just to plant a little seed here, John, I just want to throw out to the audience that, you know, we're talking a lot about the third dimension, the human experience. But, you know, something we might talk about in the next episode, and, and not to tease the audience, but just to throw it out as something to think about, is that when your consciousness can move into the fourth dimension, that fourth dimension is a dimension of unconditional love. In other words, in the human body, but being able to experience things uh, through through the idea, through the consciousness of unconditional love. And this is indeed something that is a very difficult thing to cross over to. We're not going to talk about it much tonight, but I think it was a good point to just mention, uh, just to, to plant the idea in the audience's mind, that this is something that is possible to do as a human being to actually experience your daily life, to strive for whatever you want, but do it with a consciousness of unconditional love. And um, I'm not going to say anything more about it, John. I just wanted to mention it because it seemed appropriate to me. But I also want to talk about something else since we're talking about deconstructing belief systems. What's your position on gratitude? Well, I think that the most one of the most powerful uh, one of the most powerful powers is that of gratitude to express gratitude and in situations where I really don't like that have happened that I have created. One of the things is to have gratitude to having the opportunity to experience it. Because 
that enables you to integrate with that reality and then allow you to then change your perspective or your thought form and create another reality that you care to enjoy more. So gratitude is probably, a, gratitude is up there with those uh, uh, emotions or uh, powers that the you can exercise from third dimensional because gratitude is subjective, you know, like love is subjective. So it is how you can objectify those things, which really uh, gives you the power to change this third-dimensional reality. <clears throat> so by, you know, it, it's like I have people have stolen from me, broken into the car and everything. And one of the things that I have is, and this is an example that I just want to put out there, is to give thanks when that happens because I don't have to live stealing from other persons to have what I want. And that's a, an example of expressing gratitude when something doesn't happen that it really is something that you don't want, but it happens. So that's a way to take a something that is really not good and turn it into something really good and positive. So that's an example of how to use gratitude as a powerful mechanism. Well, I think that's a beautiful example, and it ties back into um, <clears throat> what we were going to be talking about tonight as a new relationship tool, because I think anyone listening to this program could experiment with gratitude and to try and incorporate gratitude into everyday life, into every situation in everyday life, to really appreciate uh, the efforts that people make on your behalf, with you, for you, um, around you. Uh, I think there is no end to um, the good energy that can be created and shared in that way. And uh, I, I think that if more people adopted an attitude of gratitude, everyone's daily life would be so different. Uh, you know, in, in, in taking care of what we need to take care of every day, it would be a totally different world and experience. But since we create our own world, we can have that in our world's experience because we create it. So if we put that energy out of gratitude, we will get it back. It will be mirrored back to us. So I think that's really an excellent example, John. And thank you for sharing that with us because I've never heard it expressed so well that you're grateful that you don't have to steal from other people to get what you want and to show gratitude for that experience. That's a beautiful way of looking at a break-in of your car. <laughs> yeah. And I, and when that happens, so automatically my whole physical, mental, and spiritual reality shifts from something of that is not pleasant to something that is absolutely joyful and peaceful and uh, good. <clears throat> you know, as you were um, just reiterating uh, that experience of gratitude, something flashed in my mind that I'd like to share with the audience as another tip to help you deconstruct your belief system. And I'll just recount an experience I had over the summer when I went hiking um, I, and I won't call them mountains, but uh, let's say elevated uh, regions north of New York City uh, in the Bear Mountain region in Dutchess County, forever, for whoever is familiar with that area. Um, I can't tell you how beautiful that experience was. The hiking trails are amazing. You're overlooking the river and incredible greenery. And I have to say that when you're focused on hiking on a difficult trail, and this was somewhat of a difficult and challenging hike, your mind never thinks about your needs for one second, about anything that might be bothering you. And it's such an interesting experience to see 
how when you're forced to focus on the present moment, as in a situation when you're hiking on a difficult trail, and if you're not focused on your next step, you could fall a great distance. So you're not thinking about anything else except the immediate moment. And you don't have any other needs except taking that next step. And I, and I remember so vividly how when I was hiking on that trail, it was complete and utter bliss. I had no problems in the world because I was completely focused on the moment. So one additional tip I'd like to give to the audience in deconstructing an existing belief system is this. Stop thinking about yourself and your needs. Because when your mind is focused on your needs, that's when the internal dialogue starts to run about what you don't have, what this one has, what another one has. And it causes immediate and continuous uh, discomfort. So anything that takes your mind away from that is a good thing. And it's so interesting how when you're challenged by a physical situation like hiking on a very dangerous trail, your mind has no room to wander or to start that internal dialogue because you have to focus on the immediate present. And I found that to be an amazing experience. It wasn't the first time I've gone hiking. But it was extremely, uh, it, 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 was, it was really an extreme example of how the mind works and how the mind controls your sense of well-being also. Have you had experiences like that, John, where your mind is so focused on the present moment that there's nothing else that can really come into it to, uh, uh, to start any kind of internal dialogue that is when not focused? When you're out focused. in the ocean fishing, out in the ocean fishing. A similar experience. Absolutely. The boat, the boat is moving. You know, you have lines out. You are looking to catch a fish, and when you catch a fish, it's all in that moment. But there's nothing else all, going on. Nothing else, and it's a cleansing. Going out in the ocean, going fishing, to me, it's a cleansing. The other thing that I can think of is when I cook. I like to cook. Uh, why? Because when I'm cutting an onion with a very, very sharp knife, I better be focused. Because I exactly. can lose the finger very easily, okay? Exactly. So that's another experience. So, but the key is to notice, okay, to focus on how and what it is that you feel while you're having, while you're cooking or you're fishing or, in your case, hiking, and look at your mind, look at what's happening. There is no... There are no inner conversations going at that time. You really are present. And the key to all of this is staying in this present moment of now, not exactly. allowing your monkey mind to go into the past or go into the future. Into the future, you create stress because you're, or fear, something that you need to do or you want to do and it's hard to do. And then in the past, it's all about resentment and anger. So, so another tip for our of, audience. Yeah, go ahead, John, please. Most of all of the pain and sufferings are things of the mind. Well, I think uh, one of the things Eckhart Tolle said in his book, The Power of Now, I seem to remember, is that pain is an illusion. And I think what he meant by that is that it's all a product of the mind. Right. Because most people are bringing the past of what happened into this moment, precious, that's what they call it, the present, precious moment of now, and they're replaying that DVD or CD uh, about themselves or about that situation. And it could have happened 10 years ago, it could have happened a year ago, it could have happened last week, but it's still not happening now. Well, that reminds me of one of the concepts we spoke about last week was 
allowing things to dissolve into the nothingness from which they came. And when you allow things to dissolve, you can more firmly stay rooted in the present moment, which is the key. Exactly. And and this is what we all struggle with, I think, to stay in that present moment and not allow the past to influence us and not allow ourselves to be worried and stressed out about the future, like you just said. This is the key. And, and you know, you, you and I, John, have spoken about this many times in our conversations. Uh, uh, you know, and, and let me just share some of those thoughts with the audience at this point. I think it's quite relevant that... You know, this is not something that you do and it's set in stone and you could just sit back and do nothing. To really do this and to really have the kind of joy that John is talking about in every moment, it requires constant vigilance. You have to be aware all the time. You have have to have a heightened sense of awareness, and that's also one of the things that will help you deconstruct your old belief system. But... I, and I don't want to say to the audience that this is either easy or hard because I don't want to label the experience. Everyone's going to have a different experience with this. But it definitely requires you to be constantly aware, constantly vigilant, because when we're in the body and in the third dimension, everything around us is designed to pull us back to the third dimension, except for the rare individuals and experiences that are not who are who are not well in, in the individual's cases who are not operating from the third dimension and who have a different level of awareness. Um, I don't know how many of those people are actually around, John. You and I have talked about that too. But uh, regardless, to to really be able to master this is a process, and um, it's not that it takes forever, but it's a constant process. It's not something that you get. And then you could go on to something else. You have to be continuously aware. And if you're not continuously aware, it's very easy to fall back into thinking about the past, like you said, about regrets about the past, or worrying about what may happen in the future. That's an easy thing for the mind to to slip into. So uh, it's a it's a it's a challenge. I think it's a challenging prospect to do what you and I are talking about tonight, John. To really deconstruct a, a belief system based on fear and limitations, and to allow a belief system that is rooted in oneness, connectivity, uh, gratitude, without fear. These are very noble things to talk about, and they can actually be a part of anyone's reality that's listening tonight. But it's going to require work. Do you agree, John? Yeah, it's going to require focus on one's thinking, focus on the reaction, one's inner inner reaction to the outer uh, experience, uh, and the more you look at it, the better. It's like everything else. The more you practice this, the better and easier it gets. The more you focus on your thinking, looking at your thinking, the better and easier and more proficient you will get. It, it's like everything else of this dimension. And, but the good news is that once you're able to master your thinking then you can master your life so the key is the thoughts that go around in our minds that's the key yes the, well that's one of the keys it's the the your sense of identity are you a human or a spirit uh it, but they all mesh together, if you will. Right. It's it's all fascinating the uh, the human experience, you know, and um, you know, uh, for the listeners who may know this or not, you know, uh, this is something that um, we talk about very often, and it's really a process to get to to this place, but. You know, when you take even small steps in this direction, you'll see how 
your daily life will have a different qualitative feel to it. You know, <clears throat> because if you really believe that everybody you meet um, is connected to you and there's a oneness with them, then there's no reason to feel any animosity or hatred towards anybody. So even if you encounter that coming towards you, you could deflect it with love. And, and once you start doing that on somewhat of a regular basis, your, your everyday experience is going to change in a drastic way. And in, in certain ways that are very, very surprising as well. Uh, and, you know, there's this one expression, John, that I think you mentioned a while ago, not in our conversations on the air, but when we were talking uh, just as friends, uh, when God speaks, the world melts. And, <clears throat> John, you want to elaborate on what that means? Well, uh, since there is no two, and uh, since there is no God in you, uh, in essence, you are the individualization of that God, okay? So whatever you speak, it will the earth will uh, melt, meaning that it will take the form that you, the thought form that you have realized in your inner uh, imagination. Right. But when you actually experience that, it can it can cut through pretty much anything. When you are coming from that place within you, and you say something to another person, or you bring that energy to a situation. It melts the situation, and people are taken out of their conditional response also. And when you experience that, when you actually see that for yourself, it's really life-changing to see the power of that energy in dissolving these situations. And people very often, when they're um, confronted with that type of energy, they really don't know what hit them. And it's not as if a bomb hit them, but it... It just takes them out of their normal way of reacting. And when you see that and, and that, and that space opens and you're having such a different experience for the first time, it's really mind-changing. I know that it was for me. Yeah, it is because um, uh, I know from when I interact with people, people don't really know... Uh, because I don't have these uh, conversations with everybody that I meet. I can't. Uh, but I know that people, they meet me, and all of a sudden they talk, start to talk about things about their life and, and personal things and things that they're really not supposed to be telling me, okay? And it's because I know that I am not there to take anything from anybody. I am there basically to channel this spiritual energy and hopefully at one day help them to awaken to what their true spiritual essence is. But this is something within me. But they, because they are a spiritual being, they sense that in that frequency, if you will. Not in the mental, intellectual frequency, but in the subatomic spiritual frequency of the body. And it, they open up always. And that I, I see that all the time in my reality. And when you do see that and you observe the reactions in the other people, I'm sure that the reactions are sometimes just bewilderment with these people. They don't know what even happened. Exactly. And then they they get a little defensive. Don't you can't tell anything or you can't say this to anybody, you know, like Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> they get a little bit nervous because they open their mouth to me, but it happens more time, more often than not. Right. Well, in this final moment, I can't believe the hour has just flown. Um, I hope we've helped our listeners begin the process of deconstructing belief systems that are not working for them and thrown out, thrown out some ideas that they might want to experiment with and think about. John, as always, it's an incredible pleasure speaking with you, and it's always a new experience. And, um, you know, it's, it's really remarkable how, how people can evolve, how people can change, how people can really take control of their life and 
switch things around, and it's all about consciousness. It's all about belief systems. It's all about what's going on in that head, the ideas that are circulating. We have only 10 seconds left, barely. John, I want to, I want to thank you so much for this second episode in a three or perhaps a more part series uh, of discussions. And um, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. John, thank you so much. This is Robert Fisher. You're hosting, welcome. My pleasure. Hosting Monergy Life, and I wish everyone a beautiful evening. Good night, everybody. Good night.